0: So we're gonna continue our study we're gonna be talking about prayer tonight. So let's get someone to pray for us since we're talking about prayer and uh and it's good to do anyway before you start any any sort of Bible study. And so let's go ahead and have someone pray. Emily, go for it and then we will dive right in.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for um just again, I feel like I do this every time I pray, but just being able to have Zoom and being able to communicate um with each other and have these little things because I know it's um very encouraging for me to have this fellowship. Um, Lord, I just thank you for um a really awesome um study already today at two and um with like what my dad taught um today's just been like a really good day and Lord just thank you for that and Lord I pray that um you know whatever we're gonna um see tonight that we all find something really cool in the Bible and um that maybe you prick our hearts a little bit and Um, that we will really start working for you and reaching out to people. And I think tonight's on prayer. So Lord, I just (laughs) pray that um, we all really think about just our prayer lives with you and our relationship with you tonight. Lord, I love you in Jesus name. I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Okay. So I am going to send you guys the uh, PDF here real quick. um, So that way you can have that with you. Uh, Let's see here. I'll put it in the chat.
2: okay
0: it's sending that right now okay done all right so you can look at the pdf i'm also going to share my screen i've got a powerpoint ready to go with that but at least you'll have the notes with you if you want to take those notes and either print them off or you can write them in your journal or whatever okay so there's a couple things that i really kind of want to just hit on um you know we've been talking about our communication with god and in talking about our communication with god um we have uh just the whole concept here of Um, that with God, there's one thing that's needful, and obviously we're hitting our communication first. And so then we've got our picture that we've been working through from the past few weeks on how we're focusing on that heart, that communication with God, because everything flows out of your heart. Everything. Every decision that you make, everything that you do, it all flows from your heart. So if your heart is not right, you are not going to be faithful. Every single time that you struggle, that you have sin issues, or you might be struggling with some different things going on in your life, it always comes back down to your heart every single time. If you are willing to correct your heart attitude, then you will be able to correct your sin issue. That is a lifelong lesson that will serve you very, very well if you keep that in mind. So that flows out into our evangelism and discipleship, and it flows into our ability to grow because our heart is not right. You know, you can, get, you can get so far with uh, your heart not being right and you just doing things when it comes to reading or when it comes to praying, but those things will come to an end if your heart is not right. And so just keep that in mind as you continue to walk through life. It's a very key uh, key truth that we need to remember. And so we've been talking, focusing on our communication with God, and this is really the foundation of everything that we're doing. Everything that we do really boils down to these three things in your Christian life. And again, if you struggle, go back to these things because these are the things that are really going to keep everything in line. Two weeks ago, we started talking about what does it mean to keep your heart? And we use that verse in Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If you are not willing to let God keep your heart because you cannot keep it, our, our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. It is going to deceive us. It's going to lie to us. And we are going to believe the things that it says very easily. So in order for us to keep our heart, to protect it, to guard it, to tend it like a garden, to prune it, to take care of it, to feed it like a flock, then we have to put it in the hands of God, which means that we abandon our wisdom, we abandon our way of thinking, and we adopt God's way of thinking. No matter how we feel, no matter what we think, no matter what, that's what we do. And that is really the core. If you don't give God your heart, you are going to struggle with reading, and you are going to struggle with praying. Throughout these past few weeks, there have been days where it's been much easier for me to read the Bible and to pray than others. And it all goes back down to keeping my heart. I've got to put my heart in the hands of God, so it's very important. And so tonight we're going to talk about prayer. And so reading the Bible was last week. And we really majored on that of why it needs to be a priority. And ultimately, the big takeaway that I wanted you guys to walk away with is that the way you treat your Bible is the way you, way you treat Jesus. If you are not willing to spend time with your Bible, then you are not willing to spend time with Jesus. Uh, God thinks so much of his word that even what Pastor Jay just mentioned in the live stream um, when it came to the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man and Lazarus uh, were, were on the other side after death, You know, they were in a situation where, you know, the rich man was in hell. And he said, send Lazarus back to my family so that way they could believe. And he said, no, it's not going to work. Even if a man rises from the dead and goes and speaks to your family, it's not going to work. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. If they're not willing to hear and believe the words, the written words of God, then they are not going to believe though someone rose from the dead. And that is absolutely true. And that's how much God thinks of his words. And so God's words should be very important to you. If God's words are not important to you, then your heart is not in the right place. And we need to make sure that we uh, end up keeping all those things in mind. Okay, so we hit that. And um, And then after that, so we're gonna be focusing on prayer tonight. And so this is gonna be our focus when it comes to praying. And so when it comes to prayer, Um, the, the first point that I really want to talk about, and it kind of goes in line with what we ended up talking about last week with reading the Bible is the simple reasons why prayer must be a priority in your life. A simple reason why prayer must be a priority in your life. And this list, these four things that I want to work through, we're going to go through them pretty quick because I want to get to some other things, but these are just four very simple reasons why prayer has got to be a priority in your life. The first thing is, it's just the simple fact that God desires to hear our prayers. Prayer is important because God desires to hear it. And this is important for you to consider. Um, if prayer was not important, it would not matter to God. But he desires to hear your prayer, which is just an amazing thought to think about anyway. And there's two verses that really stand out to me to emphasize this point. The first one is 1 Peter 5, 7, where it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So God desires for you to cast your care upon him. And so that is definitely an emphasis upon prayer because that's how we cast our care on God. And so with there's things that are worrying you and that are troubling you, they trouble God too, because he doesn't want you to be in a situation where you are upset when he is not at peace. When you're not at peace in your heart, he is not at peace. And it's the same thing in my household. You know, there are times where my kids are worried and full of anxiety And I want them to be able to be calm and to be peaceful in their heart. And so I want to do whatever I can to try to get to the bottom of what's going on in their heart. And the same thing with my wife. And the same thing if I'm worried, if I'm troubled, that bothers my wife too. And that's the way it should be. And so it's the same thing with God. He cares very deeply about you, and he wants you to cast your care upon him because he cares about you. And so that really shows you that God desires to hear your prayer. And the next verse that I love is Psalm 116, verse 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. God inclines his ear unto you. Now, God is someone who is very high and he is very holy. And it's very hard for us to comprehend him because we are not like him. He is eternal, he is infinite. He is all-knowing. He has all the wisdom in the world. He's all-powerful. And yet, even though he is that way, he exercises a great amount of humility to bend down his ear, to incline his ear unto you to hear your prayer. It's very important to him. And this is why David said in verse 1, I love the Lord. I love him because he hears me. He wants to hear me, and when I talk to him, he actually hears me, and I listen to him, and you can see this relationship here, and so I love this because God is someone who wants to hear you. He wants to incline his ear unto you, but so many times we often, we don't talk to him, so he's sitting there, and he's waiting for you to talk to him, and he's bending his ear down. He's wanting to hear from you, and yet we just completely neglected. And we just pretend like he doesn't even exist and that he's not even there and that he doesn't care. That is such a lie. It is such a lie. God cares very deeply about you, about your life, and he wants to hear your prayer. So that means it's very, very important. It's very important. So the second reason why prayer must be a priority is because we have the ability to pray. God gave us the ability to talk to him, and that is amazing. Knowing God and all of his holiness and his character and his infinite wisdom and his power, we have the ability to pray. God's given us this ability to pray unto him. A couple verses on this one is Psalm 3, 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. We have that ability to cry unto God. Similarly, in Psalm 5, 2. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king, And my God, for unto thee will I pray. So again, David has that ability to talk to God and even cry unto God, knowing that he is going to hear him. We have that ability. And then Psalm 62, 65, verse 2, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. God is defined, one of his characteristics, according to this verse, is that he hears you when you pray. So maybe there are times where you feel like God doesn't hear you when you pray, That is not because of God. It's because of you and your feelings that you have and the emotions that you have in that moment. He always hears you. He's always wanting to hear you, and you have the ability to communicate with him. And just that fact alone should make it very real that it should be a priority in our life. The next point, number three, another reason why prayer must be a priority is because our relationship with the Lord depends on prayer. It depends on prayer. And this is something that's very convicting to me. Because I think there are many days that I get very self-deceived, and I think that I can continue in my Christian walk without talking to him. And I generally find myself in trouble because I'm thinking in my own ways rather than in his ways. And this can be clearly seen just by these couple verses. In Mark 6:46. and these are examples from Jesus' life, Jesus' relationship with God was completely dependent upon his prayer life. His obedience to the word of God and the will of God, but ultimately also on his prayer life. In Mark 6, 46, it says, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And if you study and spend any time in the Gospels, you'll see, and we even saw this when we went through the book of John together over the past few weeks, you'll see that there are certain times where Jesus purposefully got away into a mountain, away from anybody else, to pray and to spend some good quality time with God. And that is absolutely something that we need to keep in mind. It is so true. If Jesus needs to get away to pray and to spend some alone time with God, why do we think that we can do it without it? Why do we think that we somehow can survive in our Christian life without setting time apart to be with God in an intimate way? It's just not possible. Luke 6, 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. That he continued all night in prayer to God. Now, in this passage in Luke six verse twelve, this is right before that he picks his disciples. So, if you look at the timeline according to Luke, because again, Luke is a is an account of more of the timeline of Jesus' ministry, where he had been preaching and teaching. So, you have his uh, baptism, and then you have him going out into the wilderness, and then you have him coming back out of the wilderness after the temptation. And he ends up beginning his ministry and starts to teach and has crowds of people. And with the crowds of people that he had following him, hearing the things that he said, he came to a point where he picked his 12 disciples. Out of the whole crowd of his followers, he picked 12 disciples that would be very close with him and would spend a day in and day out with him. And before he made that decision, it says very clearly that he went into a mountain, like we just saw, like he does, And he prayed, and he prayed all night to God. Now, can you imagine for a second praying all night to God? I mean, does everyone give that in a shot before? I mean, we've had all-nighters where we've stayed up and done stupid things, right? And you guys have done that. You've had friends over. And sometimes even then, it's very difficult for us to stay up, right? Because you just get so exhausted. He spent, this was so important to him, that he spent all night in prayer to God before making this decision. And chances are, I mean, he knew the decision he was going to make. Chances are he was praying for these men because he knew that his choice in pulling these men out of the crowd means that the target on their back was going to become bigger when it comes to spiritual warfare and the impact that they were going to make on the whole world through the ministry that they were going to have. And so that's something really important to really consider. And again, Jesus needed to do it. We need to do it. When it comes to big decisions in your life, big decisions, how much do you pray to God? When it comes to potential dating relationships, when it comes to your future, when it comes to your classes for the next school year, when it comes to jobs that you might be taking, how much do you actually pray about it before making a decision? Those are big decisions, big decisions that could really change the course of your life. You should really be careful and make sure that you're praying about these things very important, very important. Okay. All right. So so he continued all night in prayer to God. Uh, The next point, the fourth one is just the simple fact that you need God daily. There is not a single day that goes by where you do not need God. And your prayer life really reveals how you feel when it comes to your need for God. If you do not pray often, and sometimes this is, this is something that I mess up in all the time. I think a lot of times I'm very self-sufficient, that I know what I'm doing and that I've got things handled. And that's wrong of me to do that. My, the, the amount of time that I spend talking to God throughout my day shows God how much I actually need him. And that's something important to really consider. John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me, ye can do nothing. That last part of that sentence is absolutely true. Without Christ, you can do nothing. You can do nothing when it comes to being in the will of God. There's things you can do not abiding in him, but it's not going to be the things that are going to be honoring and pleasing unto God. And that's important for you to really believe. You need to believe that. You need to believe that without Christ, you can do nothing. And that's how important your relationship with God should be. It's really an issue of priorities. In John 5, 19, Jesus exemplified this in his own life when he said, Then he answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what, what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So all the things that Jesus did did not come from his own will. It did not come from his own understanding, his own plans, his own reasoning. It came directly from the Father. There was not a single thing that Jesus said or did that did not come from the Father. Well, think about this for a second. How would he have found that out from the Father? He would have found that out through exercising his relationship with him through the word of God and prayer. If Jesus was not in the word of God, If he was not praying unto his father, then he would have not known what to say or what to do. And that's how dependent Jesus was upon his father. So we really need to take that same mindset. And so this leads us back into our next point. This is where I want to spend some more time. So we talked about simple reasons why prayer must be a priority in your life. And now I want to get into um, just learning to pray, learning to pray. And so with this one, go to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, learning to pray.
2: So Luke chapter 11.
0: And I'm gonna get someone to read that for me, please. First one. All right, Alana, go for it.
3: And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples.
0: Okay, so I love this verse. So look at it again. It says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. So he was with his disciples, and they were at that certain place, and it was very likely that same garden that he was praying before he went to the cross. And it says that when he ceased... They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just by hearing the words of Jesus, which, I mean, this would be absolutely amazing. Can you imagine being in a situation where you actually get to hear Jesus talking to the Father, the way he prayed, the things he said? I mean, just everything. And when they were done, they're like, oh, my word. Oh, my word. I have no idea how to pray. I've never heard anyone pray like that before. And keep in mind, these guys were religious men they grew up in the jewish community and from even little boys they would have gone to school and they would have learned the torah they would have learned the practices of the jews they would have been taught how to pray and now that they're men and they're with jesus they hear jesus praying and talking to the father and their reaction is oh my word i do not know how to pray and so the only thing they can ask is lord teach us to pray Teach us to pray because we have no idea what it means to pray. And maybe you've been in a situation like that before. Have you ever been around someone who's just, you know, a little bit more mature in their walk with God and you pray with them and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I have, I have no idea how to pray. Their relationship with God is so rich. It is so pure. It is so strong. And I want that. Has anyone ever been in that scenario before that they can kind of share a little testimony about it? All right, Karen. I mean, Jack.
4: I was just gonna. I was just gonna say no, because you know, I'm complete. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, i just. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around.
0: Okay. All right. So you just put your hand up for no reason. All right. I, awesome. No, I, I I actually I
4: do kind of have something, but like, yeah.
0: Okay. So you gonna oh, share? Okay.
4: It? So like, so like when I started discipleship, my my discipler Ed, um, he's like. He, he's an older guy. I'm not going to yeah. say he's, I mean, okay. So yeah, he's old. Like, he's mature. And, uh, he, yeah. So like, uh, seasoned. he, he uses really like big words when he's praying. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't, I don't get that. And then like, he like basically taught me through the Bible. How to like, when you're praying reference the Bible, I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. To you, guys, the Bible. Like, like, when he is praying it'll be like just, i was like shocked because at first i didn't understand that but then i kind of caught on to it so i was just yeah. kind of messing around like totally raising my hand to say like no never happened to me i'm a complete spiritual titan but then you know that's a joke so um i'm gonna go now
0: okay all right thanks for contributing all right moving on to emily <laughs>
1: Um, okay, do so you mean, like, people, like, specific people, or just, like, like, do you want us to say their names, or?
0: <laughs> if you want to, if you're comfortable with it.
1: Okay, yeah. well, I was just going to say, like, Liz Galloway, mm-hmm. um, I remember a few years ago, <clears throat> I was talking with her, and she just said that God was really showing her the power of prayer, and that I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> okay, um, and I was kind of like, yeah, like, okay yeah, okay, cool, and then, um, but, like, recently, one of the last prayer meetings that I was at, um, I prayed with her, and I was, like, wow, (laughs) okay, now I know what you mean, like, that kind of her saying that always was stuck in my head, and I never forgot what she said, and then, like, I actually saw, like, whoa, (laughs) like, her relationship with God is, like, so, I don't even know how to describe it, it was, like, I was just sitting there, and I was, like, now I'm like embarrassed <laughs> to pray out loud. Like I don't really like praying in front of people, but that's something that I've been trying to work on. Like it doesn't it shouldn't matter. I should just be excited to talk to him anyway. But yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. No, it's good. No, it's good. Awesome. Alana, what's yours?
3: Um, so I've been discipling with Paige Densmore and um we went over the prayer lesson a while back, but um you know, I have been praying, but um, we kind of went over how prayer should be more of a conversation than just, mm-hmm. you know, like, listing requests, and, you know, it's one of those things that I knew, but, like, I wasn't doing, and so I just, like, been really convicted about it, and so, like, we, like, she came up with a method, and basically, like, she wrote in her journal, like, different, like, topics, like, school or work or family, and then just specific things in each topic and then she would go and just pray through the whole list and so she had me do that and it's like helped me like be more specific in my prayers and like um just like talk to God as if he's there in the room with me and not just like yeah you know oh I pray for this I pray for this I pray for this amen but
0: right yeah right yeah and it it makes it much more real too because I mean you are you're talking to him I mean imagine Mm -hmm. you talking to God and He's like, okay, okay, come on, just be yourself. Like, <laughs> you know, and there's, there's even people that you might have a conversation with from day to day where it's like, yeah, they're not being real. They're not being genuine. And you can just tell and how God desires to have genuine conversations with us about our life. And he wants us just to talk with him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Jamie. Andy, Jamie, Jamie, Andy, Andy, Jamie.
5: Yeah, it's me. Sorry.
0: Uh sorry, just a little disappointed.
5: I know, everyone's disappointed. <laughs> um, Jamie thinks I'm not going to be serious, so I'm totally here to prove her wrong. Um, but It is not a competition, so... See that, honey? <laughs> Honestly, I learned a lot about prayer from your dad, from mm. Rory. And um, I was thinking about when I got saved in February 3rd of 01 just, you know, coming from a Catholic background, when we prayed... Our prayers were through a diocese or through the priest for confession, yeah. basically. Yeah. There was never that time of prayer outside of what was um, rehearsed and repetition of every week. So there was no quiet time. Um, but hearing, you know, Pastor Rory have that personal, deep, intimate connection where you knew it was like you were the word you used was genuine um, where I try to surround myself with men like that, especially early on my walk, just to see how how close of a relationship and a walk that you can actually have. And and it's really, it's, it's the depth, it's the intimacy that you can have when when you are praying with God, because you are talking to your father. Just what you said the disciples were so impressed in just like, like you said, when they were talking, when Jesus was praying to God, how they were like, Oh my gosh, now I'm not putting your dad on a pedestal, but it's, it's, he's just got that something about his heart in it. When he's praying, it's so surreal. Yep. And it's yeah, it's because he's lived the life. He's matured in it, and I look back at that now, and then looking at the time where I went through a charismatic church for a while, seeing how completely false and fake that is. When you see that garbage, Megan, you're smiling. I know. I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, how, how much garbage is it and how fake it is. But I, I always think back when I think about your dad, uh, or I think when, when I hear and think about prayer, I think about your dad always, and when he's taught me to pray at an early age. Uh, in the early time in my walk, just, just how intimate it really is and how yeah. sincere uh, when you can surround yourself by someone like that. I know Jack talked about big words. Yeah, your dad used some big words when I was younger, too. Mm-hmm. It's not all about that. I mean, some guys are better prayers than others, um, but it, it's just the intimacy and the closeness uh, you can really feed off of someone's heart.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's good. That's good. And this is why, you know, in these scenarios, like we're thinking about certain people. Um, but just how, how much more if it was hearing Jesus's prayer? I mean, we're just talking about sinful people that we're like, wow, they must have a great relationship with God. How much more Jesus?
2: Yeah.
0: Like if there was anyone that knew how to walk with God, it was Jesus, right? I mean, unless I'm like way off on that one. <laughs> I mean, there's no one that knew how to walk with God better than Jesus. And so they hear him pray and they're like, oh my word, I know nothing about prayer. And I'm telling you, that's a great place to be. Um, recognizing it as a weakness and really understanding in your own heart, you know what, I may not have really understood this the way that I thought that I did is a great place to be. And so to kind of kick this off a little bit, I have it on the, on the PDF, but I want to um, just read this. These are excerpts from a book that I read on prayer with a guy that really, really understood the heart of prayer. And so I just want to read these quotes. So if you don't have it open, that's fine. Just listen. But listen carefully, because these are some very good quotes from the book that I found in dealing with learning to pray. Uh, Talking about Jesus, the first one talks about, it says, His own praying, Jesus' own praying, awoke within them, the disciples, a desire to be able to pray. And when they wanted to pray, they found that they did not know how. Just because they heard his prayer. All true prayer, the prayer that prevails, is personal, intimate, and original. Prayers are measured neither by time nor by number, but by intensity. And it's because you believe it with your heart. You're taking that time and you're praying throughout the day. So that's the that time and number, but it's the intensity inside your heart, the conversation you have between you and God. There's no way to learn to pray, but by praying. No reason philosophy of prayer ever taught a soul to pray. The subject is beset with problems, but there are no problems of prayer to the man who prays. The best way to learn how to pray is by praying. I'm sharing some information, and that's all it is is information. When we walk away from this, it's your choice whether or not you're going to put it into practice or not. If you really want to increase your prayer life, then you have to put these things into practice. It's not just something that you can understand intellectually, and then you have a good concept of prayer. No, prayer is learned by experience. We discover by using. We learn by practice. Though a man should have all knowledge about prayer— and though he understand all mysteries about prayer, unless he prays, he will never learn to pray. Prayer touches infinite extremes. It is so simple that a little child can pray, and it is so profound that none but a child heart can pray. Such a life of prayer costs. It takes time. Hurried prayers and muttered litanies can never produce souls mighty in prayer. To become skilled in art and mechanism, learners give hours regularly every day to that Every day that they may become proficient. Our Lord rose before daybreak that he might pray, and not infrequently he spent all night in prayer. All praying saints have spent hours every day in prayer. One is, if, is afraid to quote examples, and these days there is no time to pray. But without time, and a lot of it, we shall never learn to pray. It ought to be possible to give God one hour out of 24 all to himself. Anyway, let us make a start in the discipline of training in prayer by setting apart a fixed time every day for the exercise of prayer. We must seriously set our hearts to learn how to pray. The reason so many people do not pray is because of its cost. The cost is not so much in the sweat of agonizing supplication as in the daily fidelity to the life of prayer, its consistency. The acid test, it is the acid test of devotion. Nothing in the life of faith is so difficult to maintain. The great souls who became mighty in prayer and rejoiced to spend three and four hours a day alone with God were once beginners. So, you know, just reading through that, those are just some amazing things to think about. Um, I personally, when I read through these quotes and and when I read through this book and I spent some time really contemplating this, I feel the pressure in my life on a daily basis of, well, I don't have time. I mean, I, I don't have time. My my schedule's busy. I have so many things to do. Well, okay. I mean, here's the reality behind it. Um, you have time to do whatever you want to do. It's all about priorities. If you really want to make time to be a part of something or to do something, then you will make time to do it because it's a priority. It's something that you value. And and I know that like right now your, your worlds are turned upside down. And when it comes to learning how to do your schoolwork and managing all that kind of stuff, but I bet, you know, I bet even though you might have a crazy busy day that you still find time in the midst of your crazy busy day to do something that you really, really want to do. Because that's what we do. You know, I learned this the most whenever I went off to college and I was doing my classes online. Um, And I mean, my day was packed. I was working a 40 hour week and then I was taking anywhere from 16 to 18 to 20 hours of college classes on top of that all while being discipled and discipling other people and being a part of ministries. My life was, I mean, talk about insane. It was absolutely insane. And I wasn't even married at that point. Yeah. We ended up getting engaged at the, around that time. Yeah. And so, you know, we have that whole, that whole time in my life, I really learned that the things that mattered are the things that stuck around. You know, there's certain TV shows and certain movies that I just didn't go see because I didn't have time to go see them. But the things that were high priority in my life, those are the things that I always found time to do. And as I got older, guess what? I mean, we've said this many, many times, and it is so true. And it's one of those things that you guys may not understand right now, but you will when you get older. You guys are very, very busy. And that is absolutely true. But I will tell you that it does not get any better. It does not get any better at all. At all. At all. Um. For me to find time now to do certain things is a lot harder than when I was your age. And so one of those things you have to keep in mind is that as you get older, your responsibilities are going to increase and the things you have to take care of and be vigilant and faithful in. And so you have to really learn how to prioritize the most important things now while you have the ability to do it. Because time is just going to keep squeezing on you harder and harder and harder. So keep those things in mind. So prayer is something that we can do if we really, really want to do it. And that's something just to keep in mind as we keep moving forward. Okay, so with that in mind, then, uh, just kind of setting that stage, I want to kind of go through, okay, learning how to pray. Okay, so if we're going to do this, then what do we need to do? Uh, What are going to be those things that we need to focus on when it comes to learning to pray and actually practically putting it into practice? Okay, so the first point that I want to hit here is pray with a good heart attitude. Pray with a good heart attitude. And I got a few verses here that we can cover for this point. And I'm going to have you guys read some, uh, especially as we get a little bit farther down the road. So praying with a good heart attitude, that means that you are, are being respectful towards God, um, that you don't have a, a bad attitude towards him. And so these verses really reflect the kind of attitude that we need to have. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. God is always in the business of saving people. He's always in the business of wanting to be near to people. But people are not always in the business of being near to Him. And so God cannot save someone. God cannot be nigh unto a person that is not broken, that is not humble, that is not needy, that recognizes how much they need the Lord. This verse says that God is nigh. He is close, intimately close unto them that are of a broken heart. And he saves such as be have a contrite spirit. And the reason why is because they're willing to forsake who they are in order to adopt the ways of God. Because there's no other option. They're broken. They know their way is going to fail. And so they're willing to submit to that truth. And that really produces a good heart attitude through which you can pray very easily. Psalm fifty-one, seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, keep in mind this context, Psalm 51, what's the context? Anybody know? What's the context of Psalm 51?
2: Somebody unmute and just say it. Anybody? Come on. Somebody's got to know it. Psalm 51. What's the context? What's going on in David's life when he writes this one?
1: (laughs) Is that when he went to Bathsheba and all that stuff?
0: Yes. All the nonsense with Bathsheba. Yes. So he finds out, Nathan confronts him. So Nathan's the prophet and he confronts him about his sin. And he says, thou art the man, David, you are the guy who made this mistake. And so Psalm 51 is the recording of David's heart and his prayer unto God during that time where he was utterly broken about his sin. Now, the reality is, is that when you study the sin of David and you study uh, what he needed to do to get right with God, there was actually nothing David could do. According to Levitical law, David deserved to die. He deserved to be drug out of the city and stoned with stones and killed for what he did with Bathsheba and how he murdered Uriah. He deserved to die and yet in this verse psalm fifty-one, seventeen, it says the sacrifices of god the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart oh god that will not despise the reason why god accepted david and passed over his sin even though he deserved to die according to the law was because david's heart was broken he was utterly humiliated and he was utterly humble utterly broken before God. And he knew he deserved to die. He knew that he deserved to be wiped off the face of the earth. He knew it. He knew it. He believed it. And yet he asked God to forgive him, not just because God is forgiving, but because he's like, God, I want to glorify you. And if you want to pass over this, then I ask that you pass over it. But if not, he knew that he was going to die. He knew it. And that was acceptable in the sight of God. And I, and I love that because you have like, well, according to Levitical law, then he should have been killed. <laughs> Absolutely. And yet he wasn't. Why? Because of his hard attitude, his good heart attitude. He was broken before God. He knew that he needed the Lord. And so that really is a great reflection of that. Okay. And then the next verse I want to hit on this one is <clears throat> Psalm 102, verse 17. He, God, will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer he will regard the prayer of the destitute, the ones that are needy, the ones that need him, he will regard their prayer, and he won't despise it at all. So pray with a good heart attitude. Um, These two verses are really good. I'm going to have two volunteers, so whoever wants to read Isaiah 57 15 and Isaiah 66 2 and 18, so we'll get two volunteers. All right, Sam, you can take the first
2: one, and who else we got? One more reader.
0: All right, let me see who is first, because there's a couple of you. I think I got to stop this here. All right, Alana. So Sam, you can take Isaiah 57, 15, and then Alana take Isaiah 66, 2, and verse 18. Go ahead, Sam, whenever you're ready. All right. For thus saith
6: the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit,
5: to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones.
0: Okay. Well, the reason why I love that passage is because he says, I dwell with those people. I dwell with them. So give me a good definition of dwell. Anybody? What is a, def- what is a good definition of dwell? What
2: does it mean to dwell with? Oh, live with okay to live
0: with good what else we got
2: um i would say it's like a kind of like a higher
3: version of contentment almost like you're okay. really content, but like you're constantly becoming more content if that makes
0: yeah sense. no yeah and you can say that god is content to be with us which is amazing to even think about knowing that god's holy and we're not that he chooses to dwell there yeah that's good any other thoughts on that one on dwell There's a word that I that's typically used in the science realm that I think of every time.
3: Like to stay with or be satisfied.
0: Okay, good. Yep. To stay with and be satisfied. Yep. It's
2: a big old science word. Not really big, but starts with an H. Hmm. No one, no one, no
0: one. Habitat. Habitat. I think about habitat. Habitat. It's a dwelling place. It's where it's where he lives. It's where he's sustained. It's where he wants to be. And, you know, you take an animal that lives in one habitat and you put it in another, it's going to die. God, his habitation, where he chooses to dwell is with those that have a broken heart. Man, I tell you what, that makes me want to be humble. Like, I want God to be a part of my life. And so, if, my, if I don't have a humble attitude and a broken and contrary heart, then God cannot dwell with me. His habitation cannot be with me. All right, along with that, Isaiah 66, 2 and 18, Alana.
3: For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. And then verse 18... For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory.
0: Okay, so what I love about just these couple verses here, especially verse two, is it says, to this man while I look. God is always looking for someone who has a contrite, humble, broken heart. He's always on the lookout for that person. And so in the sea of all the nations and the crowds of people, He's trying to find someone that has a broken, contrite, humble heart, and he wants to dwell with that person. That's, I mean, that's huge. That is huge. I mean, you can think of like, you know, you say you've got some sort of a celebrity or someone that people like really esteem and they look up to or whatever. And I know in times past, we've used like LeBron James just because he's a local celebrity and, you know, from Akron, just a keep from Akron. Um, But you have this whole concept of, imagine that you had a a group of people, like there was just a a sea of people. And as he's looking out, that he looks out there and he sees you and says, hey, I know you, I want to be with you. Like, okay, weird. And how much more important is God? He's way more important, way more important than any celebrity or any sort of public figure. And when he looks out at the sea of people, he's looking for someone that has a humble, broken, contrite heart. And so if we're willing to have that, then God desires to be with you. And so that's where it really creates inside of us that good heart attitude to communicate with God. Okay, so learning how to pray, you got to have a good heart attitude. You got to have a good heart attitude to pray to God. The next thing is that you need to pray with honesty and openness toward the Lord. And this kind of goes with what you're talking about, Alana, talking about Paige. Um, Just having an actual real conversation with the Lord. Um, There's a lot of people that struggle with this. And then I get that and I understand that. But when it comes to praying towards God, he desires to have a genuine, real relationship with you. He wants you to be able to talk freely. And there is a part where, you know, I can struggle with this because God is holy and I'm supposed to respect and reverence him. But at the same time, I can still have a good heart attitude towards God and still be honest with him. I can recognize who he is and, and understand that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords and that he is much broader and way beyond my understanding and i can still be honest and real with him and still be respectful in my heart probably the greatest example of this is jesus in the garden where he's going to be crucified and he says basically to god you know let this cup pass from me i don't want to do this i don't want to go and i don't want to die i don't want to be crucified i don't want to be separated from you I don't want to have sin touch me. I don't want to become sin. I don't. In his holiness, there's there's no way that Jesus wanted to do that. And yet he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And the reason why he could say that is because he meant it with all of his heart. He did not want to do it. But in the end, whatever God wants, that's what he wants. So he wants you to pray with honesty and openness toward him. Um, Luke 18 is such a great passage, and I put all the verses up just because I think it's just a great example of this point. Luke 18, 11 through 14. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What I love about this verse, what I love about this verse is the simple fact is that you had a Pharisee and a publican. Publicans were sinners. Everybody knew it. Everybody despised them. They did not like them at all. The Pharisees, they were highly esteemed. They were looked up to. They were followed as far as religious tradition is concerned. And in this example, it was the other guy, not the Pharisee. It was the other guy, the publican, the sinner, that was accepted before God. And it all came back down to his heart attitude. He was open. He was honest. He was vulnerable before God. And he just expressed out of his broken heart the truth of the matter. And he was accepted of God. He was justified before God, not the other guy. His religious traditions meant nothing in his relationship with God. He didn't have one. He had religion with a God, but it wasn't the God, Jehovah God of Israel. It was the other guy who was the sinner who was open and honest that actually had a real relationship with him. Okay, so I wanted to make sure to hit that verse, and then I want to show you one more. And it's in Luke 7. So let's go to Luke 7. Luke chapter 7. Verses 39 through 50. Luke 7, 39 through 50. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, and this is talking about the woman that was weeping and began to wash his feet, Jesus' feet, with her tears, and wiped him with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. When he saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man... If he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him, with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith saved thee, go in peace. So the reason why she was accepted and the reason why she loved the Lord is because she was broken. She was broken. There was nowhere else for her to go. She was desperate. He was the only way for her. And see, that is at the heart of someone who truly has a real relationship with him. They are so desperate for God that they need him. There's no one else. There's no other way. And so their relationship with God is very, very real. If you struggle in your relationship with God, it's because you don't have that kind of heart. You just don't. And that's why James five sixteen says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed for the effectual, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God wants you to pray with openness and honesty. And then the last thing that I want to hit here is just the pattern. It's the pattern that Jesus gave out of Matthew chapter six. And I have this on the study sheet, but I wanted to put it on the slide too, um, because I think this is an, this is a really good exercise. If you've never done this before, Or maybe you don't know really how to pray, or maybe there's just something in your prayer life that's really, really stale. This is a pattern that Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. In fact, turn there so that way you can see it in your Bible. But Matthew chapter six and verse nine is where it starts. Okay, so he's talking about prayer. And, he even, and we'll get to some of these verses later, I'm sure. But he talks about not being as the hypocrites are. Um, and then he talks about praying in secret, which we're going to talk about uh, probably next week. And then he talks about not using vain repetitions in verse 7. And then verse 9, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye. Now, there's a lot of people that claim to be religious that will take this prayer, and they will just quote the prayer. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, Andy can even give a testimony about that just based on his Catholic background catholics say this prayer all the time but it doesn't mean anything jesus didn't say pray this exact prayer every single time and god will hear you that's not what he says he says after this manner after this manner so it is a pattern so the what he's giving you is a pattern to follow if you don't know how to pray or you don't know what to pray then follow this pattern after this manner and so the first thing you see here is our father which art in heaven so right out of the gate The focus is on the Father. It is focused on who he is, It's focused on where he is. He is God. He is God the Father, and he is in heaven, which means he's seated upon a throne, which means he's in control. He has all authority and all dominion, and he is ultimately the person that we're talking to. And so it really begins to set the tone of your prayer because you're remembering who you're talking to, and that will really get your heart the way it's supposed to be our father which art in heaven. And then the second thing is hallowed be thy name. Now hallowed means more like holy. So it's talking about God's character, knowing that he's holy. So knowing who God is, where he's at, his authority, and just the fact of his holiness and his character and his nature will really change the way that you pray. So remembering that, remember that he is hallowed, that he is to be hallowed, that he is to be respected, that he is supposed to get all of our submission, all of it. Then number three, thy kingdom come. It's about his kingdom. It's about his plan, his plan, his purposes, everything, and how all that's going to unfold, both now and into the future. So again, it's about God. It's not just about where he's at, his authority, his place. His holiness, his character, but his plan, his kingdom, and your desire for it to come and for it to come in fruition and ultimately destroy the kingdoms of this earth. And then it moves into number four Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is obeyed perfectly. It's where he sits, it's where he rules, and where he reigns. It's also the part of creation that's that's basically walled off from the rest of creation because of sin through the sea of glass. And so your desire in praying something along the lines of number four is that you want his will to be done in the earth. Just as it is in heaven, without question, immediate obedience, you want God's will to be done in the earth. And then it moves into number five, and it starts to change a little bit. Give us this day our daily bread. So now it's starting to focus more on our needs, but notice it says our daily bread. So it's more of your immediate needs. It's not long-term stuff. No, it doesn't mean you can't pray about long-term stuff, but you're focused on what you need for today, because today is what you have. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, so you're praying about the day that you have, and you're starting to focus on the things that you need. And then once you start moving from your needs, then you start to get into number six, and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. So my needs are taken care of, but now I need to change the way that I think about other people, God, please forgive me and help me to forgive other people. You've forgiven me of much, and so I can forgive other people. And there's a lot of people that struggle with that today, and it's because they don't have this focus when it comes to their prayer life. And then number seven, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you know my weaknesses, God. You know where I'm going to go. You know the things I'm going to do today. So I pray that when temptation comes, that you would deliver me from that evil, that I would make good decisions, that I would want to honor you, that I would not— be weak and follow the lead of my flesh, but that I would do the things that you want me to do. And then ending with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Capping it off with remembering that the kingdom belongs to him. He has all power. I am meant to glorify him forever and ever. And then you're done. So this kind of a prayer, this pattern that you can follow really, I mean, I think it will really change dramatically our prayers. Because it's not going to be as self-focused as what we typically would pray. So what are your comments on that? What are some of the things that you observe about that pattern that just really kind of stand out to you that you can share? What are some of those things?
2: Anybody want to share anything? All right, Alana. I liked
3: what you said about, like, forgiving other people, and that just made me think of how, like, I know, at least for me, I always pray for, like, my friends and family, but I don't pray as much for maybe just other people, like, that I come in contact with, you know, that I should be praying for. Like, we should be praying for everyone, whether they're friends or not, um, and we should just have that forgiving attitude towards them and just be praying for their salvation all the time, so I really like that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Any other thoughts, things that stood out to you from that pattern?
2: How about this one? How much of it is focused on God versus you? break that down into a percentage? No math whizzes?
0: I think, Mikey, you know it, you just don't want to say it.
2: (laughs) We could really relish this awkward moment. This would be awesome. Come on, somebody give me a percentage. Come on,
5: 5%. five percent. Five
0: five percent. What?
5: I don't know. Bobby <laughs> was just flapping five fingers. I think he looked like he was doing something. Fifty, a moron. Do you want the percentage on specifically how you broke it down? Yeah.
6: Okay. Well, then hold on one sec.
0: Yeah, so how many out of eight are focused on God versus yourself?
5: It's... Like 60% God, 30% us, and like 10% others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once you start looking at it from that perspective, it's completely different. I would say that for the most part, the majority of our prayers is probably like mm, 80% me, 20% God. <laughs> yeah. On a good day, right? Because we're still consumed with ourself and our circumstances. But there you have, okay, the majority of your prayer, more than half your prayer is focused on God, who he is, what he wants. His will in every circumstance, his kingdom, his power, his authority. Now, I think that would dramatically change the way that you would pray. I mean, dramatically. I think there are things that you would probably not pray as much about, or you would pray very differently about. Um, so that's just an interesting concept to think about. And I think we don't we don't think about those things enough. So I just really wanted to put it out there. So enjoy that awkward moment. It was awesome. I know some of you guys could have actually said something, but you just didn't and shame on you. Okay. All right. So that's that one. All right. So Matthew six, so that's the pattern. And so coming off of that, then, then this kind of gets us into our discussion and our challenge. So based on all those things we just talked about um, the priority of prayer in our, in our life, why it should be a priority, and then learning how to pray uh, with talking about the disciples. um, What are just some of the things that just really stood out to you personally? that you know, that you need to think differently about, or maybe something you didn't quite think about before. um, And it kind of gave you a different perspective for, um, for tonight and as far as really going forward with your prayer life. So who wants to share?
2: All right, Emily Boffin. Um, I feel like something with me and my
1: prayers is, like, I think it was Alana who mentioned, like, um, she prays for her family and stuff like that, and, like, her friends, but, like, praying for kind of, like, her enemies like, um, salvation, um, and I feel like, for me, like, I usually, like, that's just kind of a natural thing, like, when I'm going through a tough time with somebody, I'm always, like, you know, praying for their, their salvation, I'm like, Lord, I know that they you know, they don't know you and all this stuff, but I feel like sometimes that's just not genuine. I'm just kind of saying it because I know that that's what I should be saying, but I'm really not feeling that way and really being genuine in that um, prayer. And like it's saying, and forgive us our debts as we forget, forgive our um, debtors. That's like we're asking for his forgiveness of us first before we're asking for their forgiveness. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of the way this is worded forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors kind of like do it to us, how we're doing it to others. So it's kind of like if you're not treating others, like you're supposed to be following God's example. And if you're not doing that, then like, honestly, you don't really deserve it, which we don't deserve it in the first place, but that just adds on to that a little bit, so.
0: Yeah, no, it's good, because how can you forgive somebody if you're not willing to really understand the forgiveness that God has for you? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just not possible. Otherwise, it's going to be completely humanistic. I'll forgive them because of what they bring to my life, or because they did this, or because they did that. No, God forgave just because he forgave. Like, there was no strings attached to it. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it completely takes the focus off of yourself. Yeah,
2: that's good. All right, what else?
0: All right, Haley, you got something? Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, so I think
3: with prayer, it's kind of a really big test of like, you can see how much you actually love someone. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're like really honestly, sincerely um, willing to pray for their pain instead of them having to go through something, um, that really shows God like, how sincere your love for them is, Um, and also sometimes God, like, brings us to, like, such a point where if we're, like, willing to pray something really hard, like, he brought our heart to that point, and we actually end up receiving, like, a bigger blessing of what we wanted, but that we were willing to give up, Mm -hmm. so I think prayers, it's just, like, so big,
0: so yeah, yeah, it is. And it really is a revealing of, of your heart in general about a lot of different things. You know, I just remembered that I forgot part of the study sheet. Um, that it's actually on there, but I just didn't read it. Um, so the reason why we need to learn how to, prayer, to how to pray when it comes to our prayer life is um, prayer is the manifestation of your personal, intimate relationship with God. Um It's what really shows that your relationship with God is actually real. I know we've hit on that in certain points, but this is a summary that I wanted to make sure to hit. No one else sees, hears, or experiences your personal prayer life. Only God does. There's no one else that can be in on your prayers. I mean, they can kind of hear your verbal prayers, but as far as being in your body, in your mind, hearing your communication with God, no one else can hear that except for you. It's you and God alone. No one else can know anything about that. And that's why it's the manifestation of your personal, personal intimate relationship with God because no one else hears it. So if you're actually walking with God, the proof that you're walking with God is evidenced by your prayer life because you're not doing it for anybody else. You're not doing it to be heard or seen by anybody else. It's only between you and God. So if you truly follow after God and you're a faithful disciple and you desire, you desire for your life to be in the center of God's will, and God's glory and approval is your only pursuit in life, then you will be known by God to be faithful in personal prayer. You will be known by Him. You're going to be known by Him that He, he hears you, He knows that you're there, and it actually is the reality of your relationship with God. So I think, and this is, might just be an interesting thought to consider um, the measure of your love towards God and your relationship with God, if you don't have a prayer life, then maybe, I mean, do you even really know him? And that's a tough question to ask, but it's something to really consider because if your prayer life is non-existent, do you actually know him? Are you in a relationship with him? Because if you never pray and you never talk to him, then you don't effectively have one. And if you are saved, then you're just not in fellowship with him because you can't be in fellowship with someone that you're not talking to it's not possible. Like if I didn't believe in my heart, and this sounds stupid, but if I didn't believe in my heart that I was married to my wife, I mean, my life would be completely different. Like I wouldn't come home some nights, I'd be somewhere else. I would not really care about her. Like, I I mean, there'd be no evidence that I actually have a relationship with her because I'm not talking to her. Her existence doesn't mean anything to me if I don't pretend and I'm sitting there like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to pretend like I'm not married to her. And this is why a lot of people end up in divorce, because they actually don't have a relationship. There are so many Christians that say that they're married to God, but they never talk to him. They say they have a relationship with God, but they never hear from him. So do they even have one? And that's something that only you and God can answer, because no one else can hear it or experience it except for you and him. So that's something really good to consider and to think about.
2: Okay, any other thoughts? Alana what
3: you said about like just thinking about that we even have the ability to pray like i thought about that and i can't even imagine like my life without prayer cuz i've been praying my whole life like even when i was lost i would still find myself praying to god like it just shows how much we can really take it for granted and yeah. it and i know at times um i like try to like make reading my Bible seem more important than like prayer, which obviously they're both important, but like, like I would say, like, oh, I need to get into my Bible. I need to do this. And then I, you know, I don't spend as much time in prayer, which they're both like, they're just as important. Like Mm -hmm. obviously God is talking to you through the Bible, but you have to speak to him too.
2: Yeah. And like
3: the fact that Jesus prayed like all night, and how we can't even give God, like, five minutes to talk to him, like, that just shows how selfish we are in our heart, so, um,
2: yep.
3: like, not only do we need to be praying to God, like, with honesty, but we need to be praying more, because it's important to yeah. just give our time to God.
0: Yeah, for sure, and, you know, another thing to consider, which I think, you know, there's a there's a reason behind it, but you know, how many times do you see Jesus actually reading and studying his Bible? Have you ever thought about that one? Yeah, you don't know, like not at all. I mean, there's a couple times where he called for the scroll and he read from it in the temple and he taught his disciples, but you don't see him like reading or studying his Bible. Now, he is the word of God. So, I mean, I think there's an exception to that rule. Um, but at the same time, How much do you see Jesus praying and how much do you see him teaching on prayer? A whole lot more. So I think that that really shows us that there tends to be an overemphasis on reading and studying the Bible and less of an emphasis upon praying. Otherwise Jesus wouldn't have talked about it so much. And so that's where we have to be careful because, you know, we're a Bible preaching church. We love the Bible. You know, we, we study it, we read it, we're, we're full of, I mean, we're doctrine, and we love doctrine, we love what the Bible says, and we'll memorize it, we'll even count the number of, of words that are used in the Bible and, and in each book, and, and when we write it out, we'll stop at each punctuation mark, and we'll go down to another line, we'll keep doing it, and I mean, we do all that stuff. Well, be careful, um, because you can be doing that so much, and you can convince yourself that you're godly and righteous when your prayer life stinks. And so you, you only have a one-way communication with God. You're constantly studying him, but you're never talking to him. And so that's a problem. That's a problem. And so we have to be careful about that in our church.
2: Okay, any other thoughts?
0: Okay, all right. So here's the challenge for this week. We did this challenge back when we did the series on prayer. So we're going to do a, a, at least part of it. Um, but the challenge is is for you to every day pray for at least five minutes. So from now until next Wednesday, pick out a, a portion of your day. It doesn't matter when, but try to pick out and set a timer and just do five minutes where you will just pray to God for five minutes uh, uninterrupted as much as possible where you can just talk to him and um, and even consider that pattern out of Matthew chapter 6 of praying unto God and really following that pattern and really saying, you know what, maybe my prayer is a little bit too selfish and I need to focus on um, these things that God's teaching me. So that's what we're going to do starting tomorrow. And uh, we'll continue that until next Wednesday. And we're going to do more on prayer next Wednesday, just because I think that we need to spend some more time talking about it. It's good for us to really work through some of these details that we don't spend a whole lot of time on. So um, let's make sure to do that. And then we'll up the challenge next week. And then um, starting tomorrow as well, we're still in Colossians. So we're doing Colossians the rest of this week for our daily reading from two to three. So if you can join that, that'd be awesome. Um, And then starting next week, we're going to start getting into 1 Corinthians. We're going to do a chapter a day in 1 Corinthians. So that'll be the plan. Okay, so that's it. I am uh, done with what I got. Um, So let's all try to keep those things in mind. And uh, we'll close with a word of prayer. So who would like to close us out with prayer? Let me pick somebody this time, just because, um, Reese, let's hear from you, buddy. Why don't you pray?
6: For some reason, I thought you were going to pick me. Well, you know, (laughs) it's God's will, so it's just got to go with it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for this time that we could be together in these uh, horrible circumstances that we're going through, Lord. Just thank you for all the, the small blessings that you give to us each and every day the little things to keep us going lord i just pray for um all people who are struggling and going through hard times lord Just be uh, be a light to them and i pray that they'll look to you and uh to just uh pray that rest um, of our week goes well and that we're able to read our bibles and pray a lot more to you even just the five minutes that we have uh our challenge for this week lord just pray that we use that time wisely and that we're able to look towards you through it all. Lord, I just thank you again for this union that we could have, and in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, see you guys tomorrow, and if not, then uh, I'll see you next Wednesday. All right, see ya.